Hey, what's going on? It's the Vinny Rock Podcast. I'm here with my boy Banks. So why'd you have to say it like real hard, like podcast? Yeah, you know, I say it different every time. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I, I actually hate starting. You know what I mean? It's like, let me get into this motherfucker we already. We need to get like an intro made for you. We have that intro, the, the, the Vinny Rock uh-huh. but I've been actually trying to change it. I have another buddy. I'm, I'm asking him to work on it, so he's just doing it on his spare time. But you should make one. You want to make one? Let Shit. me know. Make yeah. it. I'll do it up. I forget about that. Tell you me what you like. Tell me what you want. I can even put the sponsors in it and stuff, so you don't have to remember them every week. Oh, bro, we're gonna have to talk about that. <laughs> 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 hey, what's going on? Hey, so, so before we even get into this, we got some stuff we want to talk about. I, I brought my boy Banks in, obviously, because he always holds a, an incredible conversation, and uh, there's some topics I think that he would really understand. So we're we're gonna let this podcast run. Probably cut into two different ones. Um, so we'll, we'll begin here, but, uh, core medical group, I, I, dude, I talk about this every podcast and slowly I get another guy and then another guy and another guy will come to me and be like, all right, I finally listened to you, dude. I went to go get core medical group and my life has changed. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm fucking telling you, man, <laughs> if you're military, if you're law enforcement, if you're just a dude over 20 fucking seven, I recommend you go get your blood work done, getting your blood work done. You'll actually get to see, uh, your levels. And for some reason, a lot of us have very, very low testosterone. I don't know if it's in the water, if it's in the cheeseburgers, if it's in society, whatever the fuck it is. But um, almost everyone around us who stops thinking it's taboo will go get their blood work done, and you'll start to identify a lot of these guys are on low T. I mean, or have low T. You've heard the same thing, right? I actually have uh, have low T. No shit. Yeah, man. So yep, what are you thinking? A couple, couple years ago, I uh, was just doing a thing with the radio station, and... They're like, hey, do you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll go get a blood test done. Turns out, low T. Which is, the, that's the thing, man. And you Didn't know, even know. Had no idea. When you have low T, it actually affects a lot more than you understand. Um, emotionally, mentally, physically, it's like it hits every angle of your body. And so when you actually regulate your hormones, you will see the whole different side of you that you'd be happy with, your wife will be happy with, your kids will be happy with. It's just a better version of us. Right. It's not just about getting boners, guys. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, like, yeah. I know a lot of times people associate the testosterone levels with yeah. with your performance, but it's not about erectile dysfunction. No, your emotional levels, your ability to process yes, things yes. without getting over emotion. You're like they always say, men get grumpier as they get older. No, it's because their testosterone levels are dropping. Yes, and your ability to to process those things emotionally. I think people um, have your energy levels big completely time. different. Your metabolism completely changes. Well, it's funny because people think like, man, is there such thing as like a, that, that roid rage? I'm like, well, this isn't roids. This no. isn't an anabolic steroid. This is just testosterone. Your body's natural <laughs> testosterone levels. You're not doing TRT or whatever it is. It uh, is TRT. Is what not, we're not, doing. Uh, what, not, what is it? Uh, anabolics. Yeah, anabolics. Yeah, we're not doing anabolics. That stuff was uh, – that could hurt you. <laughs> Either way, you guys go check out Core Medical Group. Hit them up. You guys know where to find them. If you don't, hit me up. I'll send you directly to my man, um, Core Medical Group. Let them know Rocco sent you. Beyond clothing. Oh, dude, I didn't even bring my jacket. You know, beyond clothing. I, they do that yeah. outdoor expeditionary the clothing. Thing. No, that's not. That's, oh, that's, that's freedom. That's freedom that's, no, that's. <laughs> you got to walk I'm messing it up. See, you got me up at the ass crack of dawn. I know. It's your fault. We're here before the sun's up, by the way, yeah, doing we this. Yeah, we could. On we, a Saturday. Because <laughs> we got things to You're do. lucky I love you, bro. <laughs> There's not many people I get up at 6 o'clock on a Saturday for you. What? Beyond clothing. Beyond clothing. They're the outdoor expeditionary clothing. They do, like, layered system for, like, cold weather. Not even that, just like outdoors, right? You've seen them. We had because we had it in here when we did the um, global warming podcast. Yes. And we talked about that. Yeah, and we talked about your buddy. You had the jacket in the in the system. Here. I've been I've been trying to get them to come out because it's winter. I want to do some cool photos in the winter. Yeah, man, be real cool. But you guys go check out beyondclothing.com. Again, 
Every all my podcast sponsors, you just use the Rocco code and you'll get some kind of a discount if you're interested in even checking it out. Willie Pete's chocolate. I sold out all of my hot sauce. The uh, the the smoked. Um, damn it, I can't even think of the name. That's how early it is, man. I'm so yeah. fucking. But Willie Pete's chocolate. Go check him out. It's a veteran who makes chocolate out of his own household. They all have different Scoville units. Some are mild as all hell. Some will burn your fucking tongue off. And then you can also <laughs> <laughs> and then you can get a pop smoke hot sauce. That's something that me and him designed off the flavor of it. It's a very smoky, mild. A little bit more than mild hot sauce. I had about 30 bottles here the other day when we did Heroes Tacos. They all fucking sold. So I trust me, guys. You'll love it. Go check it out. Let them know Rocco sent you. GMR Gold, the bullion box. Have you even checked it out again yet? You talked about some, 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 you used to collect some, some coins and shit, right? So, you know, I have like the, the coin that I wear around That's my neck. That's what it is. It's, yeah. It's the one thing. And I keep looking. I see all this. If you want to learn about it, like I haven't signed up for anything and he doesn't pay me shit. Um, just as a fan, yeah. The things you learn just watching him on Instagram, uh, he knows so much. It's crazy. Yeah, Charlie's like, cool. Like you just think, oh, it's just collecting gold and silver. Like, but the difference in the the ounces, the values, yeah. all the different things that he knows, the collectability of some of the coins that they've got in it, it's unbelievable. That's 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 a great point, actually. You know, you guys don't have to go out there and buy a bullion box, a monthly subscription box. You don't have to even get anything to do with GMR Gold, but you go follow them on Instagram. Charlie is out there giving a lot of information on gold and silver and precious metals. Not a lot of really cool collectible coins. If you're just interested in it, you just think, you know what, let me look more into it. Follow that page. Go check it out. He'll give you all the information you need. And if you decide to go around and get a bullion box, use the uh, the Rocco promo code and get a discount on that shit. Brum, brum. Ranger Up is my next sponsorship. Do you know a little bit about Ranger Up? I tell you, they're one of the like big military t-shirt. Yeah, they're companies. one of the big brands. That's the, one of my the veteran brands. Yeah, and they actually started making like a lot of wrestling and, and jujitsu stuff, which have always been in the jujitsu wrestling space. But now they're making these shirts. They're pretty cool. This weekend we went. We had a wrestling tournament with Star. Back uh, in it, back on the mat again, bro. Back on the mat again. We'll talk about that for sure because that's going to be a part of this the whole conversation of 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 coaching your own kids. Um, but Ranger Up, go check them out. They have nice shirts. They have incredible different selections of shirts. They have fucking sunglasses. They have all kinds of stuff. I actually can't find my sunglasses right now because I went and took some photos from them. And freaking, I don't know, my boy, my man uh, Vin, Vince Rockwell has them for some photos. But check out Ranger Up. Use the promo code Rocco. Get yourself some percentages off that shit. Last but not least, Aircraft Maintainer. This is a cool one. Aircraft Maintainer because... Um, it's a buddy of mine who started a company, um, and you were able to get certified in these aircraft maintenance positions for free. The military will actually cover it, so that when you get out of the military, you'll get paid more. You'll get paid like $5 more than the average person because you'll have these certifications that you don't get in the military, but that you need. It's kind of the crossover certifications you need to be, to be getting paid at a fair rate in the civilian world. And so there's an FCC GROL, which is the General Radio's Operator's License. You can get certified for that. Uh, there's a basic. It's a three-day a three day weekend intense course that preps you, for, for, preps you and certifies you. So these are, these are certifications that, like I said, you guys deserve. You can go and get for free. The military will pay for it, and you'll get out of the military and, and be more prepared. And this is the other topic I want to talk about is why should you and when should you and maybe is it okay to get out of the military, right? 
So we'll talk about that later, but also you can get your uh, AMP, your airframe power plant. You can get your certifications. Go check it out. If you guys know what I'm talking about, it's obviously in your MOS, in your job classification in the military, from Air Force to Army to, to Marines to, to even the Coast Guard. If you guys understand the concept of an aircraft maintainer and looking to get certified, go hit up aircraftmaintainer.com and let them know that Rocco sent you. All right, we're off to the races. Boom, get into boom, it. Boom. Dude, so... Stars back on that. <laughs> I saw you posted on Instagram. I mean, obviously things went well because she's a boss. Yeah, but well, it's it's interesting. So last week, you know, we've been struggling with her for about two years on wrestling. Um, to understand the girl, the girl, like when we moved here three years ago, we moved here three years ago. The last wrestling match she had three years ago was uh, in the state championships in Texas State. She was wrestling against the number who ended up winning the number two in the state of Texas, and they were in overtime, and uh, she lost because the kid had an escape. But like to to just imagine the level of of wrestling that she had to do just to be there already. She ended up getting fourth in the state, boys and girls, uh-huh. right? Complete co-ed. And she after that match, she kind of was real broken. She came, ran up to me and said, I, I suck, right? And I was like, what? Just got fourth in the entire state of Texas. Yeah, boys and girls. Yeah. Crazy, right? And so I'm trying, I, was, I didn't understand that at first. I'm like, what does she think? I think she thought I needed her to be first place, which that's never the case. Maybe, right. the, maybe kids conceptualize that, and maybe at the same time, maybe the energy I'm putting off makes her feel that way. Um, and so I, maybe I get it. I know that my coaching style now is 100% different than what it was then. I was really pushing her to work hard, push hard, drive hard, and and really trying to, I was the one who was giving her the motivation. I was the one who was giving her the energy, and I was the one who was like kind of pushing her out onto the mat, like, go, it's good for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I really believe it is good for them, but at the same time, um, I can't necessarily do that anymore. We went through, it's, it's, since then, it was pretty much three, almost three years of struggling with her in wrestling, who gets on the mat and loves it, and then gets off the mat and is embarrassed of it. Right. Because she's not getting those first places. So the next season, she only, I said, look, you don't, you don't, you're not going to be allowed to quit yet. I can't let you quit, but I'll fix it. You won't wrestle any boys. So we put her in just girls, right? And there's only a few girl tournaments, right? So she only wrestled maybe six different tournaments, seven different tournaments, something like that. Never placed first. Well, and then the struggle we talked about too was, Finding girls in her weight class, and she's right. always given up twenty pounds to some of these other girls, and still finishing second. Right. Like the the handicap that she was under, yeah. performance wise, was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. And still wrestling her mind out. And the other thing is, like, she is so unorthodox that she's nervous to go to any new school. Right. She was so comfortable in Texas that trying to find her a new coach that she's comfortable with, it's been impossible because she's like, I don't want to wrestle unless you coach me. So it's me. Having it's trying to find a mat right. for us to train, just so she can get some decent training, it's the hardest concept. It's 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 not it's not very conducive to her becoming greater. Uh-huh. But I just kind of I'm trying to flow with her, you know. So she goes through the whole season and gets second place. Didn't get first in any tournament. And again, she goes, "See, I told you I suck." I'm like, "No, dude, you're not in your weight classes, man. You're doing fine." She was still in the. She was still second in freaking. The state of Utah, she was ranked eighth in the state of Utah, and she still acts like this. Uh-huh. So then last season, she didn't even start the she didn't wrestle the first two weekends, 
And then she's like, all right, dad, I'll, I'll wrestle. I'm like, okay. I, I mean, she's going to come off the couch and go. Yeah. She goes in first tournament, wins second place. I'm like, this fucking girl is so weird. <laughs> the thing, I don't think she realizes like what a gangster ass move that is though. That's to just, to be like, you know what? To go like from couch to mat. Yeah. Just singlet and go. And and take second in a tournament outside of your weight class, dude. It's the crazy thing to watch because she had no cardio, dude. She didn't train. Uh huh. Goes out there and you can see she. I don't know how she even mustered up the energy and the cardio to get through three crazy matches, like insane, and still do well. I'm like, what? The? Me and Chris were like, all right, a sheer force of will. Yeah, this girl can wrestle yeah. like stupid. She needs to commit to it, you know. So now she's a freshman year in high school. She's before the season started. I'm like, are you gonna wrestle? She she goes, I don't, I don't know, Dad. And and Chris is already telling me don't push her because she already said she doesn't want to wrestle. And uh-huh. I'm like, well, I'm gonna kind of push her because I think she should, and you know. So I I said I think you should wrestle, but we'll see how it goes. She goes, but Dad, boys don't like girls who wrestle. Boys are gonna think I'm a lesbian, and I'm like, what? It's a thing in girls' sports, man. You got like I get it. Right. And I get the concern. But the other thing is, I said, you know, what's attractive is being great at what you're good at, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a good runner. That's attractive. People that commit to a sport. Yeah. Good softball players, good soccer players, good, good artists, good singers, whatever it is. When you commit to something that's attractive. Right. So that's why I conveyed to her. Now she's now she's now she's um, in weightlifting and wrestling again. Um, it's been crazy, but like, have you had an issue with like coaching your own kid? Have you had to do it? So I've had to coach Nugget a lot, my ten-year-old yeah. soccer fanatic, you know. And I told both my kids, even at my six-year-old, uh, I don't care what you do, yeah. you got to do something though. Yeah, you know, I, my parents were the same way. Yeah, I don't care what sports you play, but you got to play a sport. My six-year-old wants to do everything my ten-year-old wants to do. So. Bean decided he wanted to be a soccer player because his older brother's a soccer player. Yeah. Played a whole season. Sucked. My <laughs> kid's the one out there chasing butterflies and kicking daisies. Yeah. He's like running behind the group just to like <laughs> say that he's running with like he's looking <laughs> over at us and waving like he's in a no, freaking parade. Yeah. Like no competitive spirit. At Could all. not care <laughs> less about the game of freaking soccer. And so at the end, he's like, Dad, I don't want to play soccer anymore. I'm like, all right, what do you want to do? I want to play golf, Dad. Oh, I don't know where I came from. Yeah, but just he's like, I want to play golf, Dad, and maybe because he sees me go out and play right. golf or whatever. So we found him some golf lessons. Yeah, one of the golf courses here locally has like their their tour pro from the course. They do youth golf lessons. Oh, that's cool. Loves it. Eats no it up. Way. Has his own little set of clubs. Jumps out of the truck, gets his clubs, charges in there. Are you serious? Kid's six years old, smacking the driver like thirty yards. Oh my god! I'm like, cool. you know, hitting chip shots in from fifteen out, and you know, sticking them on the green. I like, need. I might get Jericho out there. Let me know. It's dope. It's super dope. And uh, and just as a side note, it's the number one most unused Division one scholarship, scholarship in college sports. Hey, let's send that information to Christy, dude, so we can get Jericho. That's a sport she'll get behind. It's dope. And Jericho, it kind of fits Jericho's personality too. Yeah. <laughs> so like, he found his thing. That's and he, now <laughs> golf is his thing. That's cool. You know, dude. he made that decision and he loves it with Nugget. Like the first thing he did was T-ball. Yeah. And he did that when he was like six years old. Yeah. Hated T-ball. Just didn't have any desire to play T-ball. Uh, I blame it on uh, them being the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> <for> his team. <laughs> uh, 
uh, I love baseball, yeah. but my T-ball team was the Yankees when I was a kid. Yeah, so a good, I had good, good I had good heroes to look up to. Yeah, that's a good team. He had the Colorado Rockies to look up to. <laughs> Shouts out to anybody in Colorado. I apologize for that right now. <laughs> Send all hate mail to Rocco at Rocco.com. <laughs> um, but when he found soccer, the light went on. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, look, as long as you want to do this, as heavy as you want to get into it, we support you. So we went through like the city rec league soccers and – you know, it's city league. You just yeah. show up on Saturday and play. So he wasn't really getting any coaching. So I started working with him. Yeah. And then he started getting more serious. He's like, Dad, I want to try out for a comp team. Mm. So we show up to this comp team. And I'm the only one that's really been working with him, like in the backyard. Let me ask a question real quick. Did you have any aspirations to be a professional athlete? I think we all kind of had that, right? I did. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I was always like, I was always good at sports, but I was never the guy on the team that was great. Yeah. I was never the star player on the team. I was the starter on every team I ever played on. I was never a star. Let me, I'll hit you on that while I'm thinking about that. But go you ahead. Know, I, was, I was only the ever the okay kid. So I'm watching YouTube videos, how to coach him. You yeah. know, he's a, he's a goalkeeper. Yeah. You know, and that's I, Which is special as fuck for somebody. Something I know about. He's got the temperament for it. So we start going to goalkeeper trainings. We, he makes the first comp team. He ends up playing up a year because he's super good. Yeah. And they win all their divisions. He bring home medals and all of these different things. And now we're at the point where the kid's 10 years old. Yeah. They're playing in like the Metro Premier A, which mm. is the top division for his age group with his team. And we have, I think I counted one week between his goalkeeping coach, his team coaches and practices, and he gets one-on-one -on -one coaching from a footwork coach that another friend of mine, Jason, has got us into. Yeah. Um, he's had as many as 12 trainings in a week. Oh my goodness. At 10 years old. Do you ever get nervous about, I mean, here's, you know, you know, when it, it's easy decision to make is when your son loves it. Yeah. When he's like, yeah, let's do it. Cause like, that's me in baseball. My dad could have thrown anything at me and feels like, yeah, to help me get better. Yes. Uh -huh. I'm in. That's where all he's day, at right now. All day, every day. Doesn't that's, matter what it is, yeah. how much it is. You know, he'll, he'll come home. Like I'll pick him up from school. Dad, what soccer do I have today? Yeah. He's fired up about it. But we went through a point about a year ago where he was kind of like burnt out yeah. and I get it. Like I know what, like that's what I'm saying. You're like, 10 years old and like yeah. we're going to all of this shit all the time. That's the fear, dude. I'm burnt out. Right. So we actually took six weeks off. Yeah. Didn't do anything. It was in between seasons. Didn't go to a single training. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Didn't even pick up a soccer I think ball. That's important, man. Didn't look at a soccer ball. Yeah. And then when he came back, like his goals had changed. Yeah. When he, when he came back, he didn't want to just be a keeper anymore. Oh, I was wondering about he that. He wanted to play out in the field. And it just so happened that it the next season had rolled over. We'd gone through tryouts. Yeah. And another kid had come on the team who is another good goalkeeper. Yeah. And because Caleb didn't want to start in goalie, this other kid become the first team goalkeeper. Yeah. And now Caleb gets to play out in the field. And the learning curve for him catching up is a lot playing out on the field. It's, it's, a, like, it's a different world, bro. For three years, for three seasons, I mean – um, you know, cause they have a spring season and a fall yeah. season for the little kids. He was the only keeper on the team. Yeah. He played every minute of every game. Yeah. So he's not out goal. there dribbling the ball. So he's, he's not, not out there, out there he's running out lines. There running, yeah. He's not doing all of those things. So, so now this he's got to catch up. He's got to catch up, but he did started scoring goals, started playing right side, <laughs> left side, started doing things with his left foot and his right foot and found his love for goalkeeping again. Soon really? As soon as he started scoring goals and doing these things, he's like, dad, I want to play keeper again. All right, so now he and his buddy, and th these the two of them have become really good friends, yeah. have bonded over these positions because the other kid plays the same position out in the field. So they can plays. rotate. They're both front-left strikers. That's cool. And so one of them plays half and goal. 
the other one plays half out on the field and then they switch at halftime and 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 trade up positions but yeah. you know it's it was weird seeing the burnout in a 10 year old no dude it's not weird because it seems to happen a lot more now it's hard for me for us to find for me like like in the in the circle of friends that we have there's very few of the kids that are in love with something at that age. Right. right? And just the fact that he is, is already like, oh, that he's picked something specialized yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Because like I did that, right? I, f I found I loved that sport uh -huh. at baseball at a young age. Christy found out she loved tumbling and freaking gymnastics, whatever the hell at a young age. My kids, I don't think any of them have figured that out yet. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, you can't get burned out. You haven't fell in love with anything yet. You haven't tried. They, right. like, they haven't tried anything, dude. So, like, but your son doing it as much as he is, yeah, I can see there's a, there's going to be a burnout there. But at the same time, like, you re-fall in love with it is kind of how I did it. I, uh -huh. I was like, I think it was like 12 or 13. I was like, fuck this. Fuck baseball. I played year-round since I was seven. Since right, I you play on seven, the travel league bro. teams and, Set. like, everything. There was a summer. I mean, you, you don't have a, a winter season, really, in L.A. It's... He had two. We had two weeks off. Now we're playing indoor. Bro, that's like exactly. they just they just won their league or just took second place in their league yep. and got promotion, and now they've got like a nine week indoor season. Yeah, coming up like that's, straight like two weeks off straight into it. We got a tournament coming up in St. George in February. That's how wrestling was getting for us at one point. Man, it's nonstop. Like, but I'm like, you know what? I ask him all the time. I'm like, you still love it? Yeah. And there's days where he's tired, and you can yeah. see it. And you're like, man, am I pushing him too hard? Well, that's the thing, though. The difference between that, like you, is your demeanor in, in everything is you always have that mindset, right? Like, let me check on him. Checks and balances, yeah. right? Am I pushing too hard? Right. Checks on yourself. That's something, like, it's hard to watch. In wrestling, it's a kind of a different mentality it takes to, to even wrestle, right? It's a very, yeah. very disaggressive nature, right? And a lot of the parents are like, you can see, like they're fight, they're, they're pushing their kid for themselves as well. I see it in soccer. That, that, there's, yeah. there's a lot in every of, sport. There's a lot of shitty parents out there standing on the sidelines, trying to make their kid get to a level they could never get to. That's that's the question I asked you earlier, right? Like, yeah, like that's why that's why I don't coach my kids in baseball. You see what I'm saying? Right. I'm exactly. too emotionally invested in baseball. Yeah. If you're someone rugby, I'm sure you'd be a little bit more. Because you played rugby, right? It's just this, you know. It's this There's, thing. That's 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 the sport I ended up being the best at. Right. That's how that's how I'm with baseball. Like, right. I can teach everything so so chill, but when you start going to baseball, I start getting offended because I love the sport. Right. And so, as a, the younger ones, I can't coach them because it's too frustrating for me. As they get older, I can teach it. Right. Like as my older ones, I'm like, all right, look, I can just explain why I'm gonna teach this, and I'm gonna show you, and then it's up to you to do it. Right. And don't fuck that up. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and, and that is like the demeanor I can take. But like when it comes to like baseball and like Holden, who's 10, and he like from you, I could train with him one week and then the next week he doesn't, he forgot it all. Right. I'm like, all right, bro, I can't keep, we're going to just take it to a coach because mm -hmm. he'll have the patience for that. Me, I'm like, you just offended me, bro, because I love the sport. But I, but I've learned that about me as a dad, right? Like I know I can't coach my kids in baseball. I cannot until they get to like 14 age where I could really just talk to them like where they're emotionally intelligent enough to be able to start right getting it right well they can they can break down why I explain down you know because if I'm coaching man as you train soldiers in the military the youngest dude I have in the military is 17 18 years old they can understand how I break things down some of them will still fuck it up and that's part of it but at least I can talk to them like a complete adult and say hey, this is exactly how it's made this is why you're smart enough to figure out that uh -huh. just do this you know and then Holden is just like I'm I forgot I'm like oh my god I right. can't keep doing this you know what I mean so that's me coaching them 
Um, but like you said, there's those parents, man, that that goes so fucking hard. And um, so to to even let's let's. I've go almost back. gotten in fights at soccer games with other dads, bro. That's the kind of thing I'm saying. Like I'm loud and I'm mm-hmm. very supportive, but I'm not like the the screaming at the referee dad. Yeah, I'm not the yelling at the other team dad. I'm super positive. And I encourage our kids and I'm super loud. Yeah. And I like, I encourage our kids by name. Every single kid on that team knows me. And, you know, I like, I substitute fill in coach for the team yeah. when their full time coaches can't be there. Like, you get that positive feedback. Those, those, positive kids, those kids know me and I've got to try and reinforce as positively as I can yep. everything they're doing on the field. And like, I've had other coaches and other dads come across the field and want to stick their finger in my chest for some of the things I'm saying to my kids. Never like, and I'm like, yo, they're 10, bro. Back it off. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, Caleb being a keeper, I was one time like, I, I got, you know, I got a, I'm a smart, I'm a smart ass. Yeah. You know, I got a big mouth on yeah. me. Like, like I'm cool if you're cool, but yeah. you want to test me, I'm gonna hurt your feelings. Yeah. So, so Caleb gets out, he's in goal. There's a one-on-one situation. Yeah. Kid gets a breakaway. It, all he's got to do is beat the goalie. Caleb comes out, slides in, makes the stop and gathers the ball. Kid trips over the top of him. The other dad, who it was obviously his kid, is screaming for a foul. Yeah. So it's like calling unnecessary roughness on a quarterback. Right. In football. And I was like, really, dude? On the keeper? And the guy starts cussing at me. Oh, here we go. Mind your own blankety blank business and you're a butt of a butt of a And I'm like, bro, you know where to find me. And I told Sarah, I was like, I got to go or I'm going to say something I can't unsay. <laughs> and I'm walking away and the guy's like, yeah, you better walk away. And I just flat out stopped. And, you know, like. I started walking towards I him. And I think the mind. guy, the guy shit his pants a little bit because he realizes, oh crap, you're not a small dude. This dude's <laughs> six foot three and two hundred and ninety pounds, yeah. and just stood up straight and was like, "Let's do this." And I just flat out said, "I was like, you know where to find me, bro." And I just walked to the parking lot, <laughs> sat in my truck, turned on some Jimmy Buffett, and you know, let the cool air blow, dude, and cooled off. Hey. But like, but the intensity. Like, there's nothing wrong with being loud. There's nothing yeah. wrong with being aggressive. There's nothing wrong with being, you know, that vocal yeah. when it comes to encouraging, coaching, and entertaining yeah. your kids. But there's a line. Well, it's, it's a line that a lot of people probably don't understand. Like, I've learned the line. I, I can get, I think early on in, the boy, in my boys' careers in wrestling, I was like that because it's a sport I didn't understand. But I'm like, just be tough. Right. I don't know. Just go in there. I didn't understand. Just underst- go in there and kick his ass. Yeah, Come on. What, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Just go in there. Now... It's like how many years later? This is probably five years from the conception, or six years from when we started wrestling as a family till now. I don't. I have a video, and I, I was, I'm so proud of myself because I stopped even. Me and Star have these like n- things I say, but like we get right. Uh-huh. I'll be like, shoot, sit, you know. Yeah, it's like this weird. Go yeah. for it, and then she looks at me. I'm like, pinner, go ahead, like. But like I'm so calm about it now because she's at a level where she understands. Yeah, I'm at a level also like well let her work through it. Like this like there's one of my good buddies named Chris Perkins. He says it so fucking well. He goes, "There's like no one gives a fuck about the high school fucking state champ. It it doesn't matter. No, it might mean a lot to the person, the individual, which is cool, but that title doesn't go on and pay this guy's bills in the future. You know what I mean?" There is no fucking, no one cares. Your career is not going to live or die by being a state champion. Correct. And that's the thing is like, so you as a parent like have to like, and your kid as well. Like my kid can lose from kindergarten all the way to their senior year 
and then go to college and all of a sudden be great. Who knows? And not drop a match for not three dr- years. exactly. No yeah. one gives. There's there's no fucking rules and think a state champ in kindergarten is going to be the fucking Olympian. There's no fucking nothing that says no. that. Well, and it's it's different from sport to sport too. Right. Because in combat sports. A lot of that losing is where the experience comes yes, from. Yes, that's the best part. You know, and that's getting your ass kicked is the best thing for you. Yeah. Especially for as many times as like, I mean, like jujitsu white belts all know. Yeah. Like you learn by getting your ass kicked for a really long, long time. Fucking time. Like yeah. your job is to get your ass kicked and then you start figuring <laughs> some things out. Yeah. You know, it wrestling, I'm probably sure it's very much the same way. I did martial arts as a kid. Yeah. And, uh, and got my ass kicked in tournament after tournament after tournament. Yeah. And then I started to realize that getting kicked in the neck wasn't good. Yeah. And you start figuring <laughs> some things out, you know, but it in combat sports, it's different that way. And it's tough for kids yeah. because it's the, the reward for them is putting that trophy. Yeah. It's putting that trophy on the well, medal at home. It's putting the medal on. Yeah. And you don't always get that in combat sports until you yeah, get into that's the, hard the pro, the semi-pro ranks, or in the case of wrestling, yeah. when you get into the NCAA college rankings. Yes, NCAA, uh, NAIA. NAI, all of those, like when you start one, getting yeah. into those different rankings at the adult level, that's when it matters. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you are when you're a teenager. Right. You know, it's, it's and the same time, it's like, and does it matter? I mean, if that's your goal, right. fuck yeah. But if it's not your goal... Shit, get that college scholarship. Wrestle the best you fucking can. Get your education. Call it a day. Right. It's exactly. This, it's this funny thing. Like, there is no like our our kids will be champs at baseball or whatever the f- fucking case, and that will not carry water in the future. So like us as parents, like we have to watch that too to not to not hold on to that title as if like that's everything, right? Right. I think a lot of the time my daughter looks at me for affirmation. Like she don't. She can beat. She she beat everyone the other day, like with ease, and then look kept looking at me. I said, "Mama, stop looking at me." <laughs> like, right? It ain't me on the mat. I have nothing to do with the mat. It's it's too late. I can't but walk you through it. From an emotional perspective, yeah, they need that for sure. Whether whether I mean, even if you weren't her coach, yeah, if you were just sitting on the sideline, she's still gonna be looking over there. Yeah, she's still gonna be looking for that confirmation. Yeah. That she's making dad proud. Yeah, and, that, and, and, that, and the thing that we have to teach them, yeah. and this is one thing that my dad taught us really well and that I've tried to teach my kids is I, I don't care what you finish. Huh. I care how you finish. That's it. You know, I don't, I don't care what the place number is. I care what you put into it. Did you put everything you could yeah. into it? And the biggest thing that my dad always said, and, and it, looking back on it now, it all makes sense. Yeah. He never said this to us as kids. He's like, I tried to teach you how to fail successfully. Yeah, because people don't know and we don't people don't teach this to kids. We know either, you know, if if, you know, the, you know, second place is a first loser. Yeah. You know, and all the, all yeah. the stereotypes like we're such a success based society and that fame and that success is so disposable. There's nothing substantial but, to that the beyond the moment of glory. Right. And then everything else fades and nothing has changed. Well, we How identify do you fail successfully? Right. We identify success as medals and that's false. Yeah. I ide- identify success as as being. Mentally tough the whole time, not making any mental issues, and fucking going out there and just doing your best. Personal, physical, emotional growth. Yeah. That's success. All I do is watch, and I see small technical things, and like, here, you got to work on these moves. Like, these are your technical issues that you tried. I didn't even coach it. I just sat there and watched. I was like, but how did you feel? Uh She's like, good. I was like, were you comfortable? She was a little nervous. I was like, okay, cool. Well, maybe the nerves are gone now, but you're always probably going to be nervous, right? So I'm I'm working on the mental side of all of her wrestling. Even my oldest one, Belle. She hasn't started wrestling just in practice, and we're already talking mental because I know that's where she breaks down the most. Right. 
Belle is a mental wrestler, and it, she's the type. She's so much like me. If I showed up wearing the wrong socks to a football game, I had a bad game. Right, because I felt the world was laughing at me. Right, <laughs> you know, like I one time everybody's fo- looking, everybody's noticing. Nobody. Cares. I one time had a football game where I didn't wear my sliding shorts over my my jock strap, and I imagined everyone's looking at my jock strap strings through my white pants <laughs> and laughing. Right, the worst game of my career. And nobody bro. noticed. Nobody. No cares. one gives a fuck. Yeah. Right, no one's paying. But we do that, right? We 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 become we create these these I guess these things in our heads that are gonna slow us down, or, and that's what Bell does a lot. So I'm like, look, I can work with you better than Star because. You have my issue. Right. I used to walk up to a ring, bro, and hoping the fucking lightning would strike and kill me because I'm too I'm terrified I have to get into the ring and then all of a sudden you get there, you're like, Oh shit, now I'm here. You know what I mean? But right. like all these mental things, like these blocks I've had to put myself through, the only reason I even got in the ring, I was like, My dad would be so embarrassed if I fucking stopped. You come from a family of fighters <laughs> yeah. though. Like like your family, like it's a birthright. Yeah, it's a different thing. In the thing, Vargas dude. house. So that's why like, I felt like so much pressure. <laughs> and I hated it. Like, my brother never had a problem with fighting. Like, he just didn't, you know, he didn't fear it. Right. My dad doesn't fear it. I fucking hated it until I got in the ring. So, like, I had this doubt that not even my dad could explain. You know, because he, it's like, I don't know. You don't, I don't feel that way. <laughs> it's right. All, well, he's put you, well, he's put you through the rounds. Yeah. He's put you through the training. Yeah. Done everything he could do to make sure that you're physically ready. And then you fucking have my dad who's never afraid of fighting. My brother who's never afraid of fighting. So they can't even break down like why I got this feeling in my stomach I'm going right. to throw up before a fight. You know what I mean? But I have a daughter now. And I also have – so my oldest son – it's not my son. I've raised him for years. I call him my son because, I, I mean, I treat him as my son. But his name is Justin. He was a fighter out in Eagle Pass. Um, I raised him for about six years in fighting, trained him and everything. And he had the same thing as me. That's why I say, hey, I say, hey, Justin, man, let me train you because I can mentally show you how to get through that. Uh huh. Oh my God, bro. I mean, we're driving through the fights, and he's like, uh, hey, he called me. He called me Sarge. He goes, Sarge, I don't, I don't, I don't think I want to do this. I'm like, motherfucker, <laughs> <laughs> you're fucking doing this shit, right? We're going. Yeah, we're going. And and I had to talk to him. For, sometimes we drive like six hours to these fights, dude. And the whole time, I'm like, look, bro, it's all good. Like, you, have you ever been knocked out yet? No. So why are you worried about that, right? Like, are you nervous about losing? Yes. Who, no one cares. No one knows us. It's me and you, bro. It's me and you. We're showing up to these fights by ourselves. Uh-huh. No one in the crowd knows who the fuck we are. Who gives a shit, right? And so I'm trying to put, break it down, but that's what I do with Belle all day. It's like, Mama, she goes, Dad, what if I lose every match this year? I'm like, you're not because you're good enough to fucking win. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So now, fucking don't focus on that shit. And if you do to me, I'm like, who cares? But that's as parents, and this is the separation that, that I find myself continuing to have to make. Yeah. As parents... We have to realize that these kids are emotionally developing, not just in the sport, right? But this is how they're going to process things their, their whole, whole life. life, you know. And that's yeah. that's the gift and the curse, right. Of what sports does. I mean, for guys like for you and sure. I that played it to a certain level, um, you realize that there are. Mm-hmm. And I was blessed to have good coaches yeah. that taught us the healthy mechanisms and the processes to go through and then how to deal with it when you fall short of those that's, goals. That's what kids need to know. There's a lot of coaches out there because they're making money yes. on strictly the success of their teams and their players care nothing about success or the mental health and well-being of that young individual yeah. beyond them being successful. I agree. And when they don't when they're not successful, they kick them off teams. They kick them out of programs. And now you've got a broken little person. You've got a broken young adult yeah, who thinks young. that who's based their value and their worth on success when their value and their self-worth and their 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 contrib- contribution to society 
not based on whether or not they no. pin somebody on a mat. It's not based on how many goals my kid stopped. It's not based I, on how many you know how many he scored for that match. It, none of that. Yeah. It's sports is a mechanism for us to grow into good human beings. It's it's funny, man. Like when Star, Star's a good wrestler, but like when Star loses, it, it obviously it hurts her. Mm-hmm. But I'm always like, that's good. It's good for her. It's kind of like like Jocko. Yeah. Good, right? Yeah. Like uh-huh. like it is good. It's good for her to see that to 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 know that there is work to be done. Right, you're not fucking great off the couch. You know what I mean? Like, right. for her to come off the couch and get second, it pissed me off a little because I'm like, dude, there's no learn, there's no teaching point in my side for right. that. <laughs> it's like she thinks she could just do that all the time, and she still thinks she could just do that all the time. So it's sometimes like you're gonna face it. And I told her this year, there's boys, these boys in ninth grade who are 106 are gonna crush you. Uh-huh. So you have to be ready for that and and be okay. Everyone will respect you because you show you have skill already. Wins and losses this year doesn't matter. It's the fact that you're going to get out there, and I expect you to just do well. Just put in the Meaning, minute. Yeah, exactly. Just do well. When you when people start to see her fight, it's a different story. You yeah. know what I mean? And so it's this funny thing is my growth as a parent and a parent coach has changed from the first to, until now. I used to be kind of aggressive on them, like, come on, what are you doing? Blah, blah. Yeah. Now I don't. It's more like after the fight, after the whole wrestling match, I'm like, we're driving home, and it's like, all right, cool. You have don't look at me for affirmation. You got affirmation all day. I'm proud you get on the mat. No, no big deal, right? You get right. on the mat, you win. I, I'm, I love the fact you showed up. Right, love you no matter what. Just yeah, no be, ma- just yeah. be in there. No matter what, you, you showed up. That makes me proud. Hundred percent unyielding support. That's it. And then there's things where she makes a mistake and she does a face and goes, and like that moment won't always exist with a gr- great wrestler. You won't have a second to question. Right. So don't do it now. React. You make a mistake. Fix the mistake and keep on moving. And I'm like trying to fix her for the next fight mentally. All the mental breakdown she was doing is all I'm trying to work on now. And none of it is like angry. It's like, it's okay. You lost. It's okay. You right. win. It's okay. Like I, you don't see me get that excited over a win. You don't get me see me get that excited over a loss. It's this kind of this even keel. Like, cool. How do you feel? Here's what. You, here's the technical mistakes. Here's the mental breakdowns. This is what. This is what's important to me. And at the end of the day. Fucking first place, second place, third place, last place. No one gives a fuck, right? I don't give personally give a fuck. Right? How do you feel about that? You don't like that? Okay, cool. Do you want to work harder? Okay, cool. You know what I mean? Do you not? And do you want to pack it in? Yeah. Do you want to do something else? Yeah. Is this not for you? That's fine. Okay. There's this weird space where you I have to kind of give a little bit of a push, right? Because sometimes your kid just embarrassment is what right. wants them to stop. That's not when you quit, that's right? That's not a reason to quit. Yeah, that's never the reason to quit. It's got to be, you know what? I really don't love this. But I knew she loved the sport. When you put her on the mat and it's one-on-one, she would fight till the death. Right. And I'm like, okay, there's something more burning inside this girl. And it's why she fucking, I know she, she needs it. Emotionally, she was just embarrassed of the loss. Which well, I, socially, yeah, it's a tough sport for a girl to excel in. Uh, completely, you know. But mm-hmm. it's it's not that physically she's not able. All your kids are great athletes yeah. like that, you know. Um, and they're good little human beings, by the way. Thank when, you. Very much. When I, when we were hanging out with your dad the other day, yeah, we were having a good laugh. You were off talking to somebody else, and he's like, and uh, and he's like, so how do you know Rocco and blah blah blah? And so we start talking, and I was like, you know, but beyond all the other things, yeah that you are that your passion for being a father and your passion for faith are the two things that I admire most about thank you. you. Thank you so much. And it's, as our families spend more and more time yeah. together as friends, I love seeing that. And our kids all in, enjoy that company because I think you and I tend to look at the world the same way and, yeah. and see those same things in our kids. Right. And, and part of that as a coach is realizing 
not just bringing up a good athlete. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, how many athletes ever go pro in anything? How right. many like from high school to college, we know it's like three percent, right? Right. Ever go on to play a high school sport to go on to play a college sport. Yeah. And of that three percent that play a college sport, one percent go on to play at any kind of professional level. Yeah. And at best, optimistically speaking, they may have three to five years in that sport. Yep. Top. So what's the point? So right. So now you're looking at a kid that's 25, 26, 27 as a young adult and over yeah. as an athlete. Yeah. If all you've taught them to be is a is an elite level athlete, you failed. Failed. You've completely, completely failed, fucking failed as a coach and a father. Yep. Okay. Yep. You got to raise somebody that can be a functioning human being. That's why learning. That's why failing is such a big deal. Yeah. As a as a youth, yep. you overcome those adversities. Yeah. You overcome those challenges. You learn because resiliency when, because when a real life challenge comes, like unemployment or yeah. you know, or a bad breakup, you know, ex exactly in a, an emotional relationship yeah. like that with a with a with a girlfriend or boyfriend that you're dating, like you know how to overcome. You're like, oh, that I felt like shit like this before. I remember this kind of hurt. When I got yep. my ass whooped, now okay. here's how I got to process it and heal me. If anything, man, sports is teaching them lessons of life. 100%. That's all it is, 100%. right? It's and all a good coach gets that. Yeah, it's all it is. It's it's how to handle your wins and your losses, how to be humble. You know what I mean? How, how to build resiliency through loss and accepting and how to work fucking hard and anything to become better. No uh -huh. one walks onto a field is great. It's like everything about sports is what prepares you for fucking life. So if you're going to do it at a high level, cool, good, okay, that's on you. But at the end of the day, if it all gets stripped from you, how can you use all the tools that you've learned throughout the years to be successful out there in the fucking world? Take it all away. Like some people are identified. Like we all... We all has, do that. We all do everybody it. Everybody has their tribes. You right. know, everything we... Every, you're yeah. a part of something. Yeah. You know, and especially at high school. Dude. You know, people are... We, it was the same at my school. You're yep. defined by being... You know, in my case in New Zealand, you were a rugby player or yeah. I played volleyball and we had cricket players and soccer players. And, you know, there was all the different things. And there's yep. even more intricacies in American schools that, you know, people are defined by their cliques, yeah. by, by know, races, by whatever. Yeah. When you take all of that away, because as, as soon as you graduate high school and you realize all that entire social structure was bullshit. Yep. And means that, nothing. And that none of it matters and no one cares. No one gave a fuck. You know? The prom king and every, the fucking, the guy that doesn't, no one even knows his name. No one gives a fuck. The prom king is like the dude that's going to end up most likely to be a plumber the rest of his life. <laughs> it's just and, like. And not own the plumbing company. Yeah. Like he's going to work for somebody else yeah. and make a good living yeah. for his family. But he's just going to be another well, guy. It's just that. And the little kid that you shoved yeah. into the locker is probably going to own his own tech startup. Right. And make $50 million. <laughs> that's like, but that kid wasn't the cool kid. But that kid understood that his hard work and his success socially at that yeah. age didn't define who he was going to be. For sure. You know, and there's so many people that talk about these were the best years of my life, you know, and, you know. You know why? It's because there's no stress. Right, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't because wasn't those were the best years. because you didn't have shit all else yeah, to worry you about. Shit to worry. You didn't have to pay you your know? bills. You didn't have real problems. Yeah, you have real problems. <laughs> That's why. But, best days of my life. But, that, uh, but you can tell the kids that had a good coach. Yeah. Because they're prepared for life, not just for sports. That's what it and is. And I've been blessed that, like, my 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 first Kempo coach, yeah, you know, my my martial arts teacher, uh, was had his own demons, had his own dark side, but he understood and saw something in me, yeah. that he could help mold and shape and helped create me. And then my football coach in California before we moved to New Zealand was an unbelievable man and a man of character. My coaches in New Zealand uh, were fantastic. 
and and knew how to develop quality and character in a person yeah. that would translate on the sports field, also knowing it was going to translate in in the in real life. Yeah, that's the cool thing is, you know, I've learned a lot from you know one of our coaches here is Billy Cox. He's he's one of the the top like female coach coaches because his daughter was actually uh, the first female in Utah to win a state title as a girl against all boys. Incredible. But I think he's learned from a lot of the years of pushing his daughter, pushing his own son, and now how he he, man, he mentors me as I mentor Star. And right. it's a really cool relationship we have. We're sitting there, and he goes, let her, let her go, let her go. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but that is what he now gets it. He's always gotten it, but he right. gets what me and her now going through. And I think he also is trying to have me avoid maybe some of the mistakes he's made as a coach to his own daughter. You know what I mean? So he tones me down. He also allows me to allow her to mess up or allows her to figure it out on her own. It's the hardest thing as a parent coach because obviously, you know, like I want my kid to succeed. I want him yeah. to win. Like I want that experience for yeah. him. Uh, for nothing sure. feels as good as success does. For sure. When you work hard and you meet your goals. But at the same time, as a parent, I have to realize it's bigger than sports. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's a line. And most people don't see that line socially. It's just about success. It's just about winning. And if, like, if you're pushing that on your kid, yeah, you're being a douche. That's it. You really are. You're, like, not, you're not parenting. Don't force your insecurities on your kid. Don't force your failures when you were an athlete and because you didn't make it to a certain level. And now you want to push your kid through that, like – be self-aware enough yes to realize that you go to that place when you become that parent coach bro like a lot of coaches a lot of parent coaches don't they're great they're fantastic yeah. they get it but there's enough that are toxic yeah to the entire culture of the rest of their team and any opponent that they might face it's toxic and yeah. you're the problem not your kid not your coach no. not their failures not their successes that it's that toxicity that but that, that is causing a problem, and that and it'll eventually spill onto that kid, and that kid will start to take on the same personality. Yep, and it's not good. Well, fucking hey, let's get through with this one, uh, dude. I appreciate that. That is exactly like it was crazy this weekend being able to watch Star grow and and how she is in wrestling, and also to kind of have the checks and balances on myself and how I coach her and how different it is. And it's been great to watch her lose and lose and lose and have some success now and win and win and but going back and forth. But like the most important part of it was. Making sure she knew that dad was there no matter what, whether she wins or always going to love her no, yeah, matter, no what. matter what, and 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 uh, you know picking her up no matter what, and it's just been good. It's been a good time. It's been good for me learning. Hopefully, you you out there listening, um, any of you that that are coaching their kids or seeing their kids in sports, understanding the only thing that sports is really doing that's important is teaching your kids some of the fundamental things they need to learn as an adult. Uh, they will build resiliency with their losses. It's okay to let them lose, and fucking a man, let them. Have Let fun. them know you love them. That's all it no is. matter what, no matter what the outcome is, make sure that that kid knows, no matter what, that you love them. Hell's yeah. Part two. Fucking hey, do you want to go grab food real the quick cow. or something? Shit? No, we're good, dude. We're good. Oh, okay. Shit. I got my little. I got my fierce melon Gatorade here, bro. There you go. There you fierce melon. Melon. I haven't drank Gatorade in a minute. Um, dude. So. So it's just funny, you know, a guy hits me. I get a lot of these messages, a lot of these messages about, about man, I, I think I want to get out of the military. I'm not sure. Um, and this dude messaged me this morning. I'm trying to find it. But, you know, for, for any of you guys that are in there, um, trying to figure out whether it's a good thing to get out or not. Dude, 
when you message me that, I'm always like, I don't know. What's your situation like? Because right. I know my situation, you know. I still wish I did four more years because there's just a little bit more experience I wanted to have in certain things. I wanted to try to go a special operations, like even bigger. I wanted to try and go Delta. I wanted to try out for a few things and just test myself. But I also wanted to try being successful in the civilian world. You know, when I remember on my way to basic training in the bus, I'm already like, all right, this is stupid. Because I'm 23 years old around a bunch of 17-year-old, 18-year-old kids, and I'm like, all I had to do was apply myself. And I told myself this. I was saying the exact words. I wish I just applied myself out there. I could have been successful already. Like, I said those exact words as uh-huh. a 23-year-old kid. Like, I knew the answer to becoming successful. was just like, dude, just apply your fucking self. And I didn't do it. Either way. So four years later, day one in the military, I'm actually working on plans on when I get out. Right, like I'm already thinking, all right, the day comes, I get out. Here's what I'm gonna do. And I remember in Afghanistan, I mean, this is shit. I mean, I've only been in about a month. I'm already in Afghanistan. You know, after basic training and all that, I've been in for 30 days, and then boom, we're in Afghanistan. I'm on the side of a mountain with my buddy named Scott Charles, and <clears throat> and uh, uh, excuse me, Scott Ch- Chapman, and uh, he's like, so what do you want to do when you get out? I was like, oh man, I had all these plans. He goes. Man, you got a lot of plans for somebody who just got in. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a pretty common, probably, conversation, though. Like, I never went through that situation. Yeah. I never served, you know. But I think a lot of guys and women at this point now, because there's more and more women that, yeah. that serve, I think that's a pretty common conversation, even early. Yeah. What are you going to do when you get out? Because, I mean, there's not many people that serve for, you know, 20, 25 years. Yeah. And go through the, the to get to reach that full pension status and, yeah. you know, to, to continue with the rank advancement, all the things that it takes to serve that long. It's so unique in the military. You you almost have to have an exit strategy right away. Yeah. Well, it's 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 funny. Once you do like eight or ten, people are like, all right, fuck it, stay in. And you know what? If you f- if you come grow accustomed to that life, it's nice, you know, and it's it's I wouldn't say it's easy, but, you know, you do have a lot of stuff figured out for you. But there's a bunch. There's there's perks and benefits. Yeah, to, to man. Oh shit, having housing, yeah. having that extra pay. When you get out of the military, you don't have and you don't realize it, and that's why it gets hard to get out too. So a lot of the things that get hard when getting out is financially, right? Financially is probably the biggest one because you don't make nearly as much as you're worth, right? And so people don't realize that, right? And so if you start living at this this, if you start living at sixty k a year, and but when you get out, you're only making thirty k a year because most jobs are only going to start you somewhere around thirty forty k. Who's going to submit that extra 20K? Right. So it's hard already off the bat. But getting out, you know, these guys are talking about, like, how they've been inspired by me and getting out. And it motivates them to get out and try something new. And it's like, for me, it scares. Like, I want to say this. It has not been easy for me, right? Like, it's still not easy. You guys are listening. I have a day job when I'm not in L.A. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Because... It all looks good, like on paper, probably like, oh, this guy's an actor. He's got a book. He's got a podcast. Like all this shit. He's got it together, man. Yeah. He's got some things figured out. <laughs> yeah. No, we're still we're still trying to figure out where the structure is and where the stability is for the family unit, right? Like for me, I'm never comfortable until I know all debts are paid. Right. And I'm still catching up on from debts that I've had from 10 years ago I still can't catch up to. You know what I mean? I've been I've been really bad 
financially at catching up on debts. I've just been bad. I'm not good at that. I admit that. That's why I have my wife. I don't even see the money. I let her manage it. Smart. Yeah, because I know what I'm bad at. Because we'll just go buy tacos. That's and, it. All and four wheelers day. and guns and dumb shit. Do stupid stuff. Dumb shit, man. I'm like, what the fuck did I do that for? <laughs> <laughs> because shooting guns is fun. Yeah, but like in anything, and like we talk about in sports, in life, there's going to be the hard times. So I say this, if you want to get out, get out. That's on you. I can't fucking tell you what to do. I can't tell you what's the right decision. All I can say is if you're going to get out, have a plan, you know, and that plan is probably going to fail. So I have a plan B too, but just have it, have ideas in your head, which were the areas when I first got out, I wanted nothing to do with a gun. So I went straight into, I did, I went into corrections cause I was like, all right, cool. It's not a cop and, and, and I can figure it out from there, but I was going to fire, fire academy. I was going to, I was getting my fire science courses. My dad's a firefighter. My brother was doing it. And so that's what my goal was to be a firefighter. My mind was set on it, went to school for about a year and a half. And then all of a sudden I'm fighting a fire inside of a bus. And I'm like, this is not for me. It's 450 degrees and your balls are melting off. Dude, it just wasn't even any of that. It was, I've just spent four years in a special operations unit doing really freaking hardcore, scary, cool stuff. I was chasing that. I'm looking for that. And I didn't find it in the fire. You know, maybe if it was on fire and, a, and there was kids in there and I had to run through it and risk my life. Right. Maybe it would have felt that. But in this little bus fire, I was like, wow, that's not as exciting as I thought. I'm thinking backdrop, bro. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. The fire was talking to me. Uh-huh. Like, that's where my head was at, where I was hoping it would be. But it wasn't. And then the rest of the calls were this 911 calls, right? Just regular transport, you know, mm-hmm. old, old people, whatever. And I completely right away was like, this is not going to cut it for, for what I want now in life, like the new changes in my head. And so I decided to just apply for the Border Patrol, right? But, like, it was a heartbreaker to know that that wasn't what I wanted. It was like, oh, man, why did I get out? I should have stayed in then, right? Like, right. So that was a hard part. But, like, when, when people mess with me, I get nervous to how to handle it. And it's like, dude, I don't know if you should get out. You have to really assess your own life. You have to assess what you want to do. And if you can get out, like, it's not hard to become a cop. It just takes time and effort. It's not hard to become freaking, you know, go to college. It takes time and effort. It's not hard to do any of these fucking things. You just got to want it. Because what happens is a guy comes out and says he wants to go to college, and then he starts to go out partying. He doesn't finish college. A guy that wants to go be a cop, and then he gets arrested for a DUI. He's not going to be a cop anymore. You know, and so it's like. Well, it's, it's different, too, in, like, when you're in and when you're serving. Like, you have to be motivated. Yeah. You have to take care of yourself. But there's also somebody standing right there yeah, in the case in the that you're not house. motivated, yeah. that they're going to put their foot up your ass right. and help you be motivated. Yeah. Whatever your, you know, your, your unit is, whatever your, your MOS is, yeah. doesn't matter. Like there's somebody that's going to help you get motivated. There's somebody that's going to help you get accountable. And I think, and I've seen this struggle with, so Sarah's girlfriend was in the air force for 25 years, Yeah. joined right out of high school, was in for 25 years. And she got to like the 18, 19 year mark and was like, I don't know if I can do this. Whoa. Crazy. She goes, I don't know if I can stay to 25 because yeah. that was always her goal. Yeah. And uh, and she struggled. And and it was like it was like, look. The motivation that you had for that long. Yeah. Like you've still got to believe in yourself that way. Yeah. And finish. And she did. She ended up going all the way through. Damn. You know, but but to to have that kind of commitment and that self-discipline to motivate yourself. That's a hard and part. not have somebody motivate you is that. And that was the adjustment coming out of the military for her was 
was not like you know you go to you go to your job in the military and you always know what your job is. There's always a mission, man. There's always there's always there's always an objective. There's always yep. a mission. There's always a purpose. You know, <laughs> it ain't like that in a real world. No. Sometimes you wake up in the morning, you go, "What the hell am I gonna do today?" Yeah. And you and you or you know where you gotta be. Right. But you don't know the steps to take. You know, there's no standard operating procedure for how to get there. Yeah. And it's different for everybody. So what works for one person isn't going to work for another person. Yeah. That's you got to have that belief in yourself. So let me ask you this. What's your motivation? What was your motivation? How about, you know, what is it that drives you? To create a better life for my kids than I had. Yeah. That no, like at the end of the day, no matter how successful or unsuccessful I was, did I set my kids up? to be more successful than I was. Yeah. You know, my parents, my, my dad came with his family to America in 1954 for a better life or 64. Yeah. He was born in 54. They came to America in 1964, uh, mixed race immigrant family coming to California, yeah. um, to have a better life because they knew in America we could have things we couldn't have in New Zealand or in, in Samoa. Yeah. And my dad went into the army because he saw a pathway to something better right. than just being the son of a mechanic in an immigrant family. And he ended up doing three years as an MP and then was like, all right, this ain't for me. I'm out, yeah. you know, late seventies, end of the Vietnam war era, um, was done. Ended up be wanted to be a cop, went to school was like, I think he still kicks himself for it. I think he's like two credits short of a degree in political or criminal science. No way. Wanted to be a cop, wanted to carry that on, yeah. uh, from military. And he used the military as a way to get into police work. Yep. And I think a lot, a lot of guys, of a, lot of a lot of guys have that same, same pathway, which is great, but he ended up being a plumber yeah. by trade because mom got pregnant and had a family and yeah. all these all these other things happened. But what dad always had was the drive, yeah. the determination to be better. I mean, he went from just being a plumber for somebody to at one point owning his own company and selling that company and getting bought out of it Good. You know, and, and other things happening. So it wasn't ever just about the the change yeah it, it was it wasn't always just about being it wasn't always just about paying the bills yeah it was always working for something better and for me that was my goal like he made a better life for us than he had my kids have lived a much better life at their age than i ever i ever did right. at that age for sure and have so much more so if i can set them up to do the same for their kids then we've got a whole generation that's been lifted up that's my motivation that's kind of the goal for it should be in my opinion the goal for everyone i, kind of, I try to explain to my own kids that as well it's like all I want, my parents want to be better than their parents. They want to be in a better position. I want to be in a better position than my parents, and that's what they want for me. Right. You know, and I want that for my kids, and so on and so forth. Eventually, your whole generation, you know, like your whole bloodline, your family line, has improved so much. Well, then we're going to start seeing. I mean, it's it would be unheard of for someone in my family to become a doctor. Right. Like we would all be like, "Whoa, this is the first time ever." You know what I mean? I I think we have one or two masters in our family from all the way from down all the way up. I don't think we have any doctors right now in our family. And that's like the whole Vargas, the whole Gonzalez, uh-huh. mom's side, dad's side, like no one. That's just to show you where they started to where they're at now. There is improvement, but it's not like we haven't had this vast improvement, this great jump. Right. But then you look at like our kids Oh, bro. I mean, and look at, at where they're at. Like it's not, can I afford to go to college? It's yeah. not, should I go to college? Like these kids have the opportunity to go and do and be whatever they want. Yes. They're set up already for success so much farther than we ever were, you know, like we were poor. I didn't know we were poor growing up, yeah. but like we lived out of food banks for well, months at a time. I, like I trip out. We did, like we were poor I trip out, man. for a lot of my youth. Like 
didn't have it. When I came back to America, I came with two suitcases and four hundred dollars at nineteen years old when yeah. I moved back to America. That was it, dude. It's crazy because see how how the kids are living now, and I get nervous. I might over. I'm trying. Like I don't think I spoil my kids, but I think they're spoiled by nature of just being. My kids are spoiled as shit. <laughs> my kids, I they, I know it. You know, yeah, I absolutely know it. But you know, I want to. I'm I'm that dad. I want to give them everything that. That, that yeah. I never had as a kid. That's the, I you try know? not to. I'm scared about that. But at the but, same time, it's like I think inadvertently there's there's no other answer. But like, yeah, you're going to get a chance to go eat at Texas Roadhouse, you know, probably once a month because I like the fucking place. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But my, my place, it, when my parents got paid, we went to Sizzler. And that was a big deal for us, dude. Oh, I, Sizzler <laughs> was the fa- I remember. So my wife and I, she jokes about this all the time. She'll listen to this and get a, a, a kick out of it. When we started dating, like the fanciest place I'd ever eaten dinner at was a Red Lobster. Yes, dude. When that we was started dating. Same. Like that was that was the poshest restaurant I had ever been to. Yep. The first date that she and I went on, she took me out on her sailboat at the yacht club in Florida. What? And I'm like, yo, what kind of life are you living? And she goes, what? This is just where I keep my boat. And I'm like, no, babe, like before tonight. Like if I was in a yacht club, it was breaking and entering. Yeah. Like that's like, I should not be at a yacht club. I should like, yeah. she's like, whatever, let's just go get some ice and let's go sailing. And I'm like, oh, uh, okay. This chick is awesome. That's I'm going cr- to wife this girl. Yeah. That's but her cr- expectation of what was normal and my expectation of what was normal were different. Now yeah. my kids like, you know, Hey dad, let's go on the razor this weekend. Yeah. The fact that we just have a razor. Yeah. yeah. That's just parked in the garage. Yeah. You know? That, you know, we're, we're planning trips overseas, yeah. the, the, the vacations that these kids have been on, yeah. you know, that they're, they're so blessed and, and I'm blessed and grateful to be able to provide that for That's them. And, and I mean, going back to the point, you know, if you're looking at getting out, what is your plan to provide a life for you and your family yeah. that will improve on your situation now? And if you don't have one yet, stand, maybe it's not time to get out. Yeah. Stand. Stan. Even if you don't enjoy it. There's a time to do what you want to do yeah. and a time to do what you have to do. Okay. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's, I mean, staying in might be the best way to provide for your family. If you have a good plan, that plan can also fail. Like if you don't 99% that. of the time, that plan is going <laughs> to fail. There's something, yeah, there's you something know? we say in the army. They say all plans fail upon first contact of the enemy. Right. Right. Like, yeah, you, you have a plan to go to college, you get out and you realize like, Oh fuck, dude! It's a lot harder to get college done at a, at at a tw- as a twenty eight year old around a bunch of eighteen year olds. Uh huh. You know, just just the emotional fucking part of that alone is h- tough. Here's the thing, and I, you and I said this in the truck the other day, and it just made me remind r- reminded me of this, and I thought this it just hit me. Um, when you enlisted, when you signed up, you believed in something so much yeah. that you were willing to give your life to go in service for your country. That you you felt that strongly about it, yeah. Believe in yourself that much when you get out. You believed in being a part of something bigger than you when you got in, yeah. All the resources, all the training, all the skills, every effort that anybody ever put into you to build you up as a soldier, yeah. Use that for yourself, and now believe in you when you make your plan to get out, because no one else is gonna fight for you. That's the hardest thing, man. There's a lot. I had an, and just that reminded me of something, man. It's like a guy hits hits me up and says he might be losing his house because he can't find a job, and can I help him? And I'm like, dude, 
I, I can't help you. I could barely help myself. Right. Like, this is this. It's a hard time right now. Yeah. But that mentality to reach out and ask for help in that aspect. Sometimes I get it. I get the, I guess the desperation of it. But what I also don't get is like, you know what I did? I got a job. I applied at 30, 40, 50 fucking places. I stayed up one night and Chris is like, what are you doing? I was like, look, Chris is coming around. You know, mine's check stopped. Uh-huh. Right. Straight up. Those stopped. Maybe residuals later on. But right now doing the accounting, I know there's a gap in funding and it scares the fuck out of me. Right. Maybe a book sells. I got another book coming out here soon that I co-wrote. All these things are maybes, bro. There's no guarantee. Right. I can go do some military time, but I'm trying to medically retire. So it's like all these things doesn't make sense. So now I'm in a position I had. I have November and December and January. I have no clue. I have no fucking, gap. I have no answers for, you know, the businesses of, of Legends Whiskey and all this. That's doing decent, but not enough to cover my fucking bills. But those checks aren't rolling in. No, bro. Yeah. You know what? And so I applied for fucking dude. I know I went I went to a job interview and, and I'm wearing a, a certain tie. And there's a guy that looked right at me like, huh? And I'm like, I know he knew who I was. I was probably like, there's no way this dude's in here. Right. Looking for a job. Like, yeah, dude, I have no ego, man. There's no ego in that. And then and so getting out of the military, that's what you have to have. You cannot have the fucking ego thinking you're an E5, E6, E7, E3, that you're fucking whatever you've done in Iraq and Afghanistan fucking matter. None of that shit matters in the civilian world. As hard as that is to swallow, and that might be a hard pill to swallow, you start from a scratch here. So you have to apply for every fucking job just to keep the lights on. I, I kept the lights on and I was going to fucking school full time. Not because I wanted to, because I needed the GI Bill money. It was another way of making a check. Uh huh. That's what I was doing. I was going to school full time as a. F- I did twenty three credit hours one year because I was doing uh, my EMT class, Ooh. my fucking fire one and two fire science classes, and I was doing all this because I'm like, all right, I need this money, and then I need, and, and, and then I started taking a swimming class because like I need more credits. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm taking all this. It's got a really graceful backstroke, by the way, you guys. That, yeah, I can swim. <laughs> Th- that class ended up paying off of me going to Borstar Academy selection and, and swimming there. <laughs> but it's this thing like I'm forever working towards the goal of making sure my kids are good. Right. Whatever the fuck that means. Like the military, they, they took care of me enough out here. It's only me. And so I can't sit and point fingers at like the world's not giving me opportunity. It's like, no, I'm not going out there and getting opportunity. Like Christy knows. I even said like, look, if I have to, I'll take a contract job overseas. I don't give a fuck. Right. There's nothing that's going to stop me from making sure my kids and family are good. But you're the guy on TV. You're Rocco. Yeah. You're Gilly from Mayans MC. You know how many interviews I've had to explain that? They're like, "Um, can I ask? Uh, Did you just get killed off the show? I was like, no, but I'm also one of the lowest dudes getting paid because of the fact that I'm one of the newest actors. You can't expect a new actor to go out there and make bank. It doesn't work that way. Just because you're on TV doesn't mean you're making 20 million a year, guys. Right. I'm still working towards the goal of becoming a great actor. I'm not nowhere close to that. And so like. Some people will never understand that, which is fine. But it was, yeah, you know how hard it is to sit in, a, in an interview and someone do that? And I'm just like, I've had it. This is three times I've had to explain this today, but right. here, here we go. That's hard pillow to swallow, dude. It like really is like, I told myself like, ah, this sucks. Oh, well. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, if you're thinking about getting out or if you've gotten out and you're thinking, shit, now what? Because something didn't work. Yeah. When you get out, you have to find out whatever that purpose is for you, whatever your purpose is and chase it relentlessly and do whatever it takes. Nobody's going to give anything to you. That's not the American dream. Right. 
everything is out there to be taken. That's the everything point. is everything. out there if you go and do everything down to your last breath to go out and take it. You it, can have anything in this country. Big point to me, like what I was trying to say is like, it's okay to start at McDonald's. No shame. There's in no shame in that. It's None. okay to start at Walmart. You might actually find that you like the, the Walmart. You love the fucking the company and you want to grow in that company. You might find that. But if you don't, at least you're paying the bills. At Here's least you the keep thing. the lights on. You know what a manager at In-N-Out Burger makes? How much? At a, as a manager at In-N-Out Burger, 80 grand. What? 80 grand to be a manager at In-N-Out Burger. I'm going to go apply for You know what a <laughs> store manager makes at Home Depot? How much? You know, they hire veterans all the time at Home Depot. Right. And you're kicking yourself, oh, I'm just working the fucking paint desk at Home Depot for 12 bucks an hour. But guess what? You get in their management program, they subsidize all your school. You're making $120,000 a year working through your programs as a store manager at Home Depot. That's so just because that's where you are doesn't mean that's where you're going to have to stay. Yeah. Look into the options. Be, be the best at whatever it is that you're doing and know that good things will come on the other side of hard work. I've always told myself, if I had to get a job at McDonald's, like, that's fine. I'm going to own that motherfucker in two months. That's right. how I that's how I do everything. Like how many like how many stories though have you seen of somebody yeah. that like, oh, I started out at sixteen working in this McDonald's and then they become a they, shift supervisor. And then, and they, then they yeah. become yep. a store manager. And then all of a sudden they've been working there for twenty years and they own they the own McDonald's. You know how much it costs to open a McDonald's franchise? How, how much? It's a milli. Jeez, oh my a milli. That motherfucker. But guess turn, what? Turn and burn. Six months. It's all revenue. Holy six shit. months it pays for itself revenue bro those are ballpark numbers i don't yeah. know those numbers specific but yeah. it's 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 ridiculous like that when you start getting into that level but you know what it takes to get there a shitload of hard work that's what people don't get man it, it, it's like that's that's the when i get the message i'm like man you if you understood how frustrating it is to hear these because i know there's jobs out there that'll hire you i know there is and if there's not there's self jobs there's uber right, right? Like I got a buddy doing Uber and fuck that dude. He, it's it's hard to do it, but fucking do it. Look, go cut grass. Anything you can you can buy a lawnmower for twenty five dollars at a pawn shop. Yep, and throw it in the back of whatever vehicle it is you're driving. Go buy a weed whacker for thirty dollars from a pawn shop. Now you got a lawn mowing business and go knock doors, and and do that. And guess what? In a couple months, you'll have to hire somebody else because you'll have too many lawns to mow. And then in a couple more months, you have to hire a crew and then you have to hire a second crew. And before you know it, you've got a full blown landscape business, but you got to put in the work. It's this thing, man, where the way I think of like jobs and work and finances, I think of it in like echelons, right? Like in steps, like I know where I want to go and I know I need the financial backing to get there. But right now this is what I have here. So from here, I'm going to get there right slowly. Yeah. Like I knew I wanted to become an actor. I didn't just jump straight into Hollywood and get acting. You know what I mean? Like it was, it, it was that slow transition of like, well, I'll st from from YouTube, and we did we produced a movie, which I was like, oh, I'm already doing it, but that's not the level of what I want to do it at. I hit up my boy and started doing those dads in parks. Right? It was mm -hmm. just kind of like, I can start here and really start. And I started as actually when I was in LA doing dads in parks, I was talking to him about, hey, I'm interested in doing more improv. He goes, yeah, come on down, we can do some improv here. Cool. And I was actually scheduling how to start doing some improv. It was a slow thing. Like it was going to take a 10 year plan to get to where I wanted to be by the good grace of God. I got there a lot sooner than that because of the opportunity with minds. But I always think like that. Like I know w what I'm doing now 
I get there and now I actually really like the job I'm doing right now then I'm like man I, w- I would love to see this help grow this company through social media marketing and and, 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 and building their training I'm excited about that you know what I mean so I would like to see that grow and if I could see that grow then maybe down the road this is going to be something I can actually stick with because then I'm home with the family you mm-hmm. know what I mean like right. so all these things I always think about like levels the bar- the barbershop when, as we start continue to trickle in slowly growing we're going to be able to get more so when that thing's bringing in money I can turn that money into something other business right and so right. I, th- I guess I always think in echelons of it but dude I used to fucking Uber I used to fucking sell cars I've done everything I had to and so it's like that's the kind of mentality you have to have when getting out if the plan you originally set out for didn't work out. Like, it did for me. Look, I went from freaking working in prison to working Border Patrol. I should have stayed there. I could have stayed there for 20, 30 years and made a good living. I chose to take the harder route and jump out of it again and go and risk everything. Yeah, but you're hard-headed. Hard-headed as fuck. <laughs> hard-headed, as, hard-headed as fuck. <laughs> but I did have a plan, and it took it took me two years when getting out to get into the Border Patrol. So it's like, I wanted it, and I and I stayed the course. I stayed out of trouble, and it was manageable. You know, so like anyone who's out there in the military and thinking about getting out, it is not the impossible task that everyone wants to make it out to be. If you have, if you have some P- PTSD issues, you're gonna have to get counseling. If you have some some freaking financial issues, you're gonna have to probably get some financial counseling. You can get out and get a job anywhere and get paid 30k a year if you if you find it. There, there's there's a ability to make 30k a year pretty easy if you get out with military experience. You should be able to find. You can go that. drive a forklift in a warehouse for thirty grand. Yeah, a year. that's what I'm saying. So like thirty grand a year, you can get you can get by, and um and that's where you should expect to kind of start somewhere around there. Officers obviously more than that. Officers most likely could probably get a job in the 70, 80, 90 to hundred k a year, but you enlisted, get out, expect thirty k, forty k. That sucks, but it's it's the truth. If you apply the right way, you could get you could jump up to fifty k. Who knows? But no, those are starting points for where you can be. If I get into a business, the first thing I want to do is and, and I want to end up owning it. In my head, I'm like, all right, I'm going to try and grow so fast that now I'm going to be hired in, 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 what do you call it? Um, fucking, they're going to continue to promote me. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I did that with Champ Sports when I was a kid. I started a part-time, so the, the highest sales in the district, went to full-time, highest sales in the district, assistant manager of a store, boom, they gave me my own store, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. That's how that's my mentality is always going to be. I I was actually driving the other day thinking like I don't know if I'll ever be content with anything in life cuz I want to continue to do more. Right. And I think there that, that's the mentality though like and when again if we look at from the the, the topic point of getting out. Yeah. Like what's your purpose? Yeah. What do you love doing? What do you have a passion for? Now figure out and make a plan for how you can make money at that and make a plan for when you can't make money at that. What are you going to do to support yourself until you can go back to it? And there's a lot of people, and this is something people don't ever talk about, yeah. is a lot of people, you'll never fucking find that purpose. You'll never. There's a lot of people that never find that calling. Yeah. There's a lot of people that never find that passion, and you've just got to work to support yourself. Yeah. There is no shame in doing whatever it takes and working a job for 20 years to provide your family with a life that they can build and improve on. There is no shame yeah. in swinging a hammer for 25 years no. if it provides your family with a, with a life that they can build on. There is no shame in just being a plumber like my dad was yeah. because it provided us with a launch pad to now live a better life. There is absolutely no shame in never figuring your shit out because a lot of people don't. Fucking A. 
Well, that, I, I love that. I love that. I want to end on that one on, on that. Um, you guys getting out, don't be afraid. If you're going to get out, have a plan and be motivated and know that that plan might not might fail or it might not go the way you want it to. It might take a 10-year plan. But um, make sure you have that plan and you go towards it. It's doable. It's possible. You all know it's fucking possible. You just have to be self-fucking motivated to make it happen. Yeah. Boom. You want to do one more? You got time? We can go one more. Let's go real quick. Yeah. What are you want to talk about? Active shooter. Okay. Yo. So we're going to talk about this. This won't be a long one, I don't think. But, I mean, shit, we'll just see where the conversation rolls, dude. Um, so the other day there was an active shooter uh, in California, in Saugus, which is legitimately just a couple blocks from my sister's house. It is one block from where my nephew um, goes to daycare. And coincidentally, it's a high school that you went to. So before I, my freshman year of high school, I went to Saugus High School. And uh, I know that campus very well. I know that place. If you've ever seen the Christian Slater movie, Pump Up the Volume. Yes. It was filmed at that high school. Great, great movie. It's a great, it's awesome movie. Great, great if you movie. haven't ever seen it, go see Christian Slater's Pump Up the Volume. Yeah. Right. Um, but th- it, this is the first time there's been uh, a shooting incident like this yeah. that I had a direct emotional attachment to. So many of my good friends graduated from that high school. Obviously, like my freshman year of high school was spent on that campus. Yeah. You know, my first high school girlfriend, you know, the dances, the yeah. the the making the sports teams, all of those things were were emotionally related to that place. I mean, yeah. the the quad where the the shooting happened, where we ate lunch every day. Yeah. You know, like I I can I can see it right now every square inch of that entire place. Like I I know it in my mind to this day 20 plus years later. Crazy man. And, you know, and you know, I called my sister right away and she was just you know, my sister doesn't handle those things too well. You know, she hasn't been around that world as much as I have, right? And she she hasn't been a firefighter like my dad or my brother and and so we 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 tend to know how weird the world can get. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. my sister kind of has always been like a teacher or a speech pathologist. And and so I guess that stuff scares her a lot more. And I and understandably, you know, and we had guess, guess what? Even those people that have been through it scares everybody. It scares everybody. It's a scary thing. It's Even th- when you've been through it. Yeah, it's a scary thing. You know, and it always sucks to watch how social media kind of takes charge of it. And mainstream media tries to take it and, and spin it into some kind of political argument. Um, you know, there's some facts that that. We have to accept, and the, the biggest fact is that these are completely out of our control. Like, out of our control, like, I can't control it, you can't control it, gun control can't control this. Like, nothing can control this from happening to our schools. There was an author named, um, let's see, uh, Dave Grossman, he actually wrote a book about we have to protect our kids, right? And it's kind of crazy because... Some people agree with Dave Grossman's beliefs. He's also the one who wrote On Combat and On Killing. Um, pretty interesting reads. But there's another book he wrote about the schools and our kids, and we should be heavily guarding our precious cargo. And I fucking 100% agree with that shit. Why don't we, gu- why don't we guard our kids with the same fever that we guard our courthouses and our judges? Right. And our criminals. And our banks. You know, those are all armed. The yeah. diamond store down the street is I know, armed. I know. You know, and yet... Our most precious cargo in our in our lives are not are not protected. We put signs up on fences. It's crazy, bro. That's how we protect our kids. We put signs up on fences. And it's sad that it's gone to this, right? 
that that this is even an issue and there, there's you know when i always explain things like this is so many different levels of things that need to be addressed right for us to protect our kids you know what i mean but the one reality is like we can we have to prepare for the worst and hope for the fucking best and and sad as it might be like that's hard to hear it's the fucking truth here's the thing like when it comes to when we talk about the gun control crowd, yeah, like people think of like the 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 anti anti gunners or whatever you want to call them, yeah. as the enemy. They're not. Guess what? They are doing it with the purest and best of intentions. Yeah, most of them. Yeah, are doing it because they genuinely want to see the world a better and safer place. Yeah, I can't knock anyone for wanting to to feel that way. Yeah, and I get like, it, right? Like, I understand it, and I appreciate and respect that point of view. I obviously feverishly disagree with it. Yeah. You know, because no one else is responsible for the safety and protection of my family but me. That's the craziest thing. So, like, when you start going through the gun argument and people are like, you know, this has to stop. We have to have gun control. It always confuses me because I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Like, for me, it's like it doesn't make sense because I know maybe it's because I'm experienced in the world of that, that all the bad guys have guns. Bad people have guns. They will always have guns. They will always have guns. And and with today's modern technology, you can make guns on a 3D printer. You don't even need that. All you need is $8 and some pipe with a 10-penny nail from Home Depot, and yeah. you can make a pull shotgun. That's that's what, that's, that's all you need. That's the crazy thing. People don't understand, like, oh, my God. So so it's just tough to hear, right? And so, like, the conversation with my, my sister, really, she's like, well, what do I do to be prepared? Or what do I need to do? I was like, there's a lot. There's a lot. Th there's a lot of things that can be prepared, right? She's like, do I talk to my son about this? I'm like, I don't know. He's a little young for this, but you can have a conversation on what he should do in the event something happens. Like, how old is he? Six. So I had, to, I've had to have that conversation with my ten year old because they do active shooter drills at school yeah. now. Yeah. You know, and what do you do? Right. You know, but I'm also that dad that you know I've got a level of 3A soft plate armor in his backpack. Right. That just slides in there. Right. You know. That's what I told her. I said, I, I told her the same thing, bro. I said, I said, I said, look, there's, and I'm going to tell all of you who are listening right now. I don't even, I don't know who this company is, um, anything, but I've Googled it for her because she wanted to, she wanted to protect her family a little bit better. Wasn't sure what to do. And there's a company called toughypacks.com. I looked through their stuff. So they have backpacks that are bulletproof up to a certain degree. And they also have, um, just in uh, just the insert just an insert yeah and so and the inserts are like a hundred bucks yeah and so it's something that I think look if it's a concern to you parents go out there and research it there's some there's some backpacks that look more kiddish right uh -huh. so should your kid doesn't look like a fucking military fucking army ranger Molly <laughs> 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 all yeah. over his bag yeah and, you know got the you know, yeah, like you can put morale patches on the kid's backpack <laughs> and send him off to school. Yeah, look, it's it sucks, though. It does. Like, here's the thing that I think a lot of the, the anti gun people don't get is gun people hate that it's this way, too. Yes, we I hate that we live in a world where I have to talk about protecting my son. Yeah, I know. I hate that I live in a world where these things happen all the time. I think we can all agree murder is bad. Terrible. Regardless of what side of the political spectrum that we're on killing people. For any reason, it's a bad thing. Yeah. So how do you stop somebody that's predetermined to commit murder? Well, dude, in the, to the kids. Look how, at, how do you? Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You, there's nothing you can do other than in the in the. Re, I get the idea. You think take away the guns, 
bad things will stop happening. I get the idea of that. But the reality is when I'm sitting in my house yeah. and a bad guy kicks in the front door because I live in a nice neighborhood and he thinks there's something in my house that he can make money on. Yeah. Who's going to stop him? Who's is it going to be the cops that take an average of 12 to 18 minutes to respond? Yeah, no. You know what's going to happen in 12 to 18 minutes? I'm going to be dead. Yeah. I'm going to be dead. And my family, who knows? Who knows? Because I've had to confront somebody coming into my house. Yeah. Now, I'm not willing to make that sacrifice. So I am prepared to protect and defend me and those around me and those that I love in any situation I go into. Yeah. And if everyone, and this is the scary thing. Yeah is if everyone took the lengths to protect themselves with the ability to use lethal force, yeah. people would think twice about committing those crimes. Now, and it, it's scary. Having guns everywhere is scary. Yeah, the scariest thing for someone like me who's trained with guns is knowing that someone out there who has a gun is not trained with a gun. It's, <laughs> it's frightening. And I, I tell people all this all the time. It should be frightening. Yes. Having a gun on you should scare the shit out of you. Yeah. If it doesn't, then you've got the wrong attitude about carrying. Yeah. The it's, potential to have to use that gun in self-defense should be frightening to you. It's because yeah. it can take a life, it's yours a, or someone you love if it's misused. That power and that responsibility is nothing to take casually. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. You know? So that's what I was trying to tell her like, look. You know, we can't it's it's this interesting level of a lot of the shooting kids, you know, a lot of those kids have, you know, a lot of seclusion, you know, loner, loner kind of lifestyles, the, the bullying uh, aspect, bullying aspect, you know, and so a lot, a lot of them, a lot of us can say the, the, the drugs that yeah, they're on because of the anxiety and the social yeah. issues. So it's just it's so many different things, right? Like we have to pay atten us as parents have to pay, pay attention to our kids. Mm -hmm. We can't over, over medicate. I'm not. I'm. I'm a, personally. I'm a. Per, I'm a parent that doesn't believe in like the the anxiety meds and the antidepressant meds. But I say that I don't. I've never had a kid that had that issue. So whatever the case is, why people use it is is on them. But for me, I mean, you start seeing these patterns of these kids, and they have all these little issues, and then they go to school. Like that's hard to defend. Like on a tactical standpoint, it is really hard to defend that because. Um, it's the person who is in the environment already is accepted into the environment, right? It's almost like it's not an external threat, right? It's not. It's internal. The guy shows up to school every day already. He's in his own no more patterns. He shows up to school at this time. He brings a gun and he engages on maybe someone who's either bullied him or the easiest targets, right? Soft targets, whatever uh -huh. it is. And so it's and, and so and on that aspect, when you think of it, even a person with a gun at that moment wouldn't be able to stop it immediately, but within minutes can can actually detain it. At least you can you can. You're not going to stop the violence from happening because they're the one. You never know when it's going to happen, yeah. and they're going to initiate that violence. I mean, so you, you can't stop that initial attack. Yeah, you, with, there's nothing we can do with a knife, with a gun, with with fucking a chain, with an axe. It doesn't in matter. the case in the case of the Boston Marathon with a fucking pressure cooker full pressure of nails. Cooker, exactly. Like there's things that people are going to do. Yeah. Now the argument always is, well, guns obviously make it easier. Guns were only designed to do one thing, and that's kill. That's that's correct. Yeah. That is the only reason it was they were made, but to protect it. It's also a tool that is it's a tool that is used with the intent of its handler. Yeah. Now you can use that tool to kill indiscriminately. Absolutely. But I can use that tool to protect with equal and and just as passionate a force 
and use it's a tool for good yeah. as much as it's a tool for evil. And it's been vilified and demonized, obviously, in, in modern politics and, and media. But it's, it's the great parody. I mean, God, you know, God created all men and Sam Colt made them equal. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the single greatest marketing tagline in the history of the modern world. That was how they sold the Colt Peacemaker pistol. Yeah. God created all men. Sam Colt made him equal. <laughs> it's it's the reason we have guns is because it like if we get in a fight, yeah, you and I, pretty evenly matched physically, yeah. you know, it's gonna be a hell of a fight. Yeah, but if I decide that I want to go out on the street and rob a hundred and ten pound woman of her purse and all the contents in it, yeah, doesn't matter what that woman does, yeah, she's gonna get run over. Now. If that woman sees me coming, identifies the threat and recognizes that she's in a position to protect herself yeah. and draws a weapon on me to deter me from committing an evil act, it's the great equalizer. Yep. Now we've given her an opportunity to protect herself, her property, her life, and her liberty. Yeah. You know, oh. I mean, it's for gun people, it's an easy and automatic thing. But how yeah. do you, how do you, when children are dying, take the emotion out of that conversation in an active shooter situation like this. Kids are in the hospital for this. Yeah. Kids are dead because of this. Yeah. And, and how do you remove that emotion and still tell somebody who doesn't understand the responsibility of gun ownership yeah. that you can't take my gun away from me because kids are dying. It's tough, man. It's tough to, to try and explain it to someone like, like my sister, who is never really a gun person is like, you know, I try to explain it like, look, it's tough, man, because, a, uh, you know, who stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. You know what I mean? And that's right. really how this kind of goes down or the, or the bad guy turns it on himself like most of these guys do. It, it, as happened I mean? at Saugus. Right. The kid turned yeah. the gun on himself. And which is just, you know, for me, having kids in school, obviously always terrified of this, but I also know that the school they go to is has some secure doors. But sometimes if the threat's internal, you know, so now, now the threat is only the fear of internal. You know, you you got to teach your kids. I teach my kids, like, obviously not to bully, but also to protect the bully, uh -huh. right? To protect the bullied. Like, that's just how I've raised my kids my whole life. It's like, my do and, and, you know, my daughters are really good with it. Like, oh, dad, I sat, there, was a, there was a girl that was um, sitting alone, so I went and sat with her. I'm like, good, what's up, what's up with her? I don't know, this and that. So I'm like, cool, well, befriend her. You know, bring uh -huh. her into the circle. Someone hasn't or someone bullied her, whatever the case is, but... Don't be afraid of just talking to those kids out there that, that, that are alone and, and they find themselves alone. Maybe you can have the answer for them to help them break out of that uncomfortable shell. Stop bullying. If you see bullying, stop it. Like in like in my household, the way we are, like, look, if a bully punches a, fr a kid that you see, do me a favor and fuck that bully up. Right. Right. Like That's how I see it. Like it's not bullying. It's protecting the others. But if you're a Vargas, this is what we live by. I protect those who are weaker that can't protect themselves. And all my kids know that same motto. My daughters know it to a fucking T and they've actually experienced it themselves to go out there and protect someone who can't protect themselves. I don't give a fuck if they kick that, get kicked out of a school for fighting. If it was to defend their own self or someone who couldn't defend themselves, fuck, if that, for me, that's more kudos than we'll anything. We'll find you another school. Oh, fuck yeah, we'll find you another school. I had an incident with, uh, with my, my youngest, uh, Bean. Uh, he's six yeah and he was on the playground and I happened to be doing something else and I was looking at my phone or something and I looked up just in time to see him take both fists and put them right in another kid's chest and knock that kid to the ground whoa and I was like 
did he really just? <laughs> and so I, kind I did, of a proud I did moment, the whole, but like, wait a minute, what I did, happened? Well, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And I was like, oi, get over here now. And he thought he was in trouble. And I was like, what happened? Why'd you push that kid? And he goes, that kid was being mean to me and the other girl that I was with. And I go, really? What was happening? He goes, he said we couldn't get on the slide, that he, the, the slide was his. And I told him, no, it's a park. And he was being mean to me and the other girl I was playing with. Yeah. He didn't know the other girl. They just started yeah, playing on just, the playground. Yeah. He's like, so when he said I couldn't go up on the slide and I tried to go up on the slide, he pushed me. So I pushed him back. And I was like, good job. Go play. Yeah. Didn't do anything wrong. No. You know, like, but at six, he gets that. Yeah. Like, I've taught that to my kids as well, you know, but how do you, the thing is in modern society, we are controlled by fear. Yeah. It's something that the media has built up. It's something that the politicians have built up. Yeah. It's something that we, we see through social media. We are afraid of not measuring up. We yeah. are afraid of the things we can't control. We are afraid of not being accepted. You know, there's all these different things that are, are, fearful yeah and that that's the manipulator for control mm -hmm. and so people are using that fear especially in these active shooter situations to to continue to use that agenda of fear against us yeah to divide mm -hmm. us whether whether it's to actually control guns and take them out of the hands of, of law-abiding citizens or yeah. whether it's just to continue to divide us as a people yeah you know because because whether you have a gun or not if push comes to shove and we find ourselves in a situation, I'm protecting whoever's behind me. Everyone. Every, do, I don't, if I don't know you or not, well, yeah. I've had to have this conversation with my wife because, yeah. you know, we had that shooter situation here in the mall yes. here in Utah recently. That ended up being gang violence related yeah. and not like a shooter situation. And she goes, what would you do in that case? She goes, would you go find the shooter? And I'm like, no, babe. No. Your training does not say yeah. go find the shooter and be real cowboy and, and, and chase him down. She goes, well, what do you do? And I was like, I create a secure space. If we're in a store, your job is to take you and everyone with you back behind a secure locked door. And it's my job to cover the entry point until the police arrive. Yeah. And guess what? The safest space in that place is behind me. Yeah. If somebody comes down the hall and engages me, then I will meet them with the necessary force. That's it. You know, but it's not, it's not about me going, coming out, yeah, ha, pew, 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 <laughs> let's go. And like. I'm not going and clearing the mall. That's yeah. not my job. Yeah. That's the job of law enforcement. Oh no, man. My job yeah. is to come is to protect myself, those I love and anyone around me that I see fit to protect in those situations. And I says, so if I ever say, go do this because I've heard something, just listen Yeah. and just know that that's the process. You know, I'm not, I'm not out to put my life on the line no. for, for, you need no heroes. You know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not about that, but, I will protect my wife and my family and those I love and anyone else who happens to be around me if it costs me my life and protect them behind a gun. Because whoever's on the yeah. other side of that, no matter what other logic, no matter what other reason, no matter what other purpose that they have, it has drawn us to a point where it's my life versus their life. And I will fight with my life to protect everything I love. Yeah, no, for sure. And there's, there's, there's no other what ifs that you can put into that no. in that moment of conflict, whatever has brought us there. That's the only thing that matters. Yeah. And you know, and, and that's the only other option I have. It's crazy because we've now been in, in a life, uh, pretty much all our kids whole lives who have dealt with, with, um, active shooters. And so it's funny when you say it, like 
when like our our kids are already trained by nature of hearing about like my high school kids, they know if they hear a gunshot, they're running, uh-huh. they're running. You know what I mean? Before this wasn't an issue, right? Like my era, like if I heard a gunshot, we'd be like, oh, okay, drive right. by. What that, that? like yeah. you hit you hit the ground and you wait until somebody rolls by. Like yeah. I've had to teach my ten year old about finding concealment and cover. Yeah, and the difference between them. Yeah, That's, you know, it's crazy that we. As we evolve in this this world of the shooting space, where I don't think it's ever going to change, no matter what laws you put into place, um, we have also grown accustomed to teach and learn and, and and know how to protect ourselves in that manner as well. And as sad as it may be, it's just the it's part of our nature to be the the survival survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. You know, our kids all know like it is, it's already fine tuned in their head whether they paid attention to it or not. There's a possible a possibility of an active shooter in our world. And in schools, it happens quite a bit. They hear gunshot, get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. Uh-huh. Which is crazy to think, man. Something we've never had experiences our, ourselves as kids. I never had to shelter in place at school. Fuck no. Actually, so this you know, this particular shooting happened at Saugus High School. When I was at Saugus High School, on that same quad where this incident happened, we had a full-blown race riot. Oh, shit. 1990, it was 1993 when I was there. A year post the L.A. riots, racial tension was super high, and I remember coming to school that morning, and I walked onto that quad, and that quad has three tiers yeah. that go that go up towards the classrooms. And you walk into the school onto the main level of the quad, and you're standing in front of the gym. And I walked in down that main throughway where 90% of the students enter school, and there was groups of people standing all around. And I immediately recognized, this ain't right, and I took a different route to my class. And as I got up to the second tier, I turned and looked over my shoulder and I saw a girl walk through that crowd. And I thought, yeah, that's not good. And I got up to the third tier and I looked back over again and somebody threw something at another group and the Mexicans, the black kids, the white kids, the football players, all everybody came like they pepper sprayed the entire quad and brought in police dogs to end this the 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 strength and, and fitness coach and the the football coaches were literally throwing kids out of this fight you know i mean they had to come and clear this quad yeah i mean we're talking about a riot at a high school yeah crazy unheard of that's now we're yeah. talking about shootings at a high school it's crazy it's crazy where it's changed you know but these things, these threats, these incidents yeah. are never going to go away. Never. Does It doesn't matter if it's a shooting or if it's a riot or there's going to be some kind of violence that we're going to have to address. And our kids are always going to be the target. This It's going to be more and more now. People need to realize our kids will be the target because how much of an impact it has. It emotionally is the hardest thing we deal with. Mm-hmm. And so, like, in that mindset alone, uh, you know, I ask you guys, and just wrapping this up, you know, I ask you guys to... to when your kids are old enough to have the conversation, have the conversation. They need to understand the difference between concealment and, and, and covering concealment. That's like such an important thing that it's crazy you mentioned that because I'm like, yeah, that's brilliant. We think about it because we've gone through some kind of training that it's ingrained in who we are. Yeah. The di- like, I had to have this conversation with my family when the dude shot up the, the movie. Yeah. We go to movies like, what do you do? And she, my, my wife was like, oh, well, I just hide behind a chair. And I was like, you can't be seen. But that's not going to stop a bullet from penetrating. Yeah. That's concealment, not cover. Cover is where you are safe and protected yeah. from fire. Concealment is where you can't be seen. So first you find concealment, 
then you find cover, then you GTFO. Yep. Get it's the crazy, fuck man. out. You know, th that's, that should yeah. be your thought process. And think about it every time you go in somewhere. Well, we were just at a boxing match the other night. It was, it was a bunch of uh, Tongans, Samoans, New Zealand, New Zealand, everything. Uh -huh. I mean, bro, culture was strong in that motherfucker. Main event, you had this kid named Vargas, wasn't Hispanic, he was a white guy. All the families in the front row freaking talking shit to the other. Bro, it was about to pop off in this bitch. And if uh, uh -huh. and, and if the, the heavyweight didn't win, I already, I said, Christy, I said, hey, mama, look it. This place is going to blow up if this motherfucker loses. That exit door is ours. You fucking stay behind me. I'm going to fucking bake. And she's pregnant, right? Uh -huh. So I'm thinking like, all right, I'm going to have to fucking bust through dudes and get us out of the mix because we're right next to the families that are arguing already. They brought cops in close. Yeah. I'm like, all right, fuck this shit. But that's how I think about everything. You dude. go in and you're like, you're like, all right, if I have to fight my way out of this, where's the nearest wall that I put my back to? Yeah, and bro. And you fight your way to the left or right for the nearest exit. Like, there's things that we go through to to prepare ourselves. Yeah. To react to now, hopefully we never have to. We don't nah. even have to. I wish these things never happened. Nobody wants these things to happen. Yeah. Everybody is afraid of active shooters. Nobody wants that for society. Yeah. But there is no law. There is no legislation. There is no government that can stop these things from happening. We blame the guns because the guns keep us from addressing who we've become yes. as a people. As a society, I love it. this has become a coping me mechanism. It's easy for us to blame the guns because it's out there and it's a physical thing that we can we can attach all that guilt to. Yeah. But no, it's us. It's, it's who we are as people. It's our lack of compassion. It's our lack of interest and our lack of love for other human beings that has brought us to this point. Somebody has yeah. to show that love. I think people need to start raising their kids better. They we need, need to be more, more aware. awareness, more love, more yeah. compassion more appreciation we need for other people. We need to make sure these kids have resiliency or else the first heartbreak fucking ruins their lives. What helps resiliency is sports. You know, things like that. We need to address all these little issues that we have. We need to watch out for over-medicating our kids. We have to pay attention to these kids. We have to make sure that they're not bullying. So why don't you train your kids to protect themselves as yes. well? A lot of things, there's layers to this, right? I think mm -hmm. we can really help. But, you know, I think it's important to Make sure your kids are prepared. I think physically, mentally, knowing how to protect themselves. There should not be bullying. If your kid knows how to fight, he will not be bullied. Jiu-jitsu, boxing, wrestling, all these things are very important to, for an anti-bullying purpose reasons. Don't allow your kids to be the victim. Allow them to play sports in some aspect in the competitive nature to know how to lose and lose properly. Lose with success is what you said, Banks. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. Be there and be aware of your kids. Don't allow the computer and the, com and the video games to raise your kids. Let them have social skills and know how to cope with other people and have good communication. Parents, also be prepared for the worst. Hope for the best. If you, if you believe in guns, train with your guns. Don't just carry a gun. Train with a motherfucking gun. Know how to use it. Use it well. Allow your wife to understand how to use it and use it well as well. Your kids get old enough to handle guns. Make sure they know the rights, the wrongs, and everything else to that effect. If you're okay with that, that's on you. There's so many things I would say, but also look up online if you guys are interested. There's those. There's bulletproof sh uh, um, plates you can put into them. There's these backpacks that are bulletproof. There's... I've, I've been to a show where a guy has a um, folder that's that's bulletproof, like all these different things. If you guys are interested, they're out there. If you guys 
know a school or, or want your school to be uh, assessed, there's, there's security assessments can be done by some, some contracting companies out there. A personal one of mine is TNG, a buddy of mine, um, the North Group. Hit them up. They'll do personal assessments and making sure that your workplace or your schools are safe. There's a well, lot of things. If it does can... happen, you know what to do. Yes. Having a plan of action in place will save lives. Yes. We, me and my kids have a plan. They already know where to go, where to, who to call, where to go. They know distance makes it harder for someone to engage. Mm -hmm. Create distance, you know, covering concealment, and fucking call dad. We're fucking on our way. Yeah. The All right, cavalry's rolling. Yeah, we're in. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, thanks for listening. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll talk soon. Banks, thanks for coming out, man. Appreciate you, brother. Anytime. All right.